I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. Friday evening, we just watched the Basque Country Stage 5, the penultimate stage before the final stage tomorrow on Saturday. A stage, quote-unquote, for the sprinters, from Ondaribia to Ondaroa, 160 kilometres long, I think maybe 2,000 metres climbing on the dot, a flat-ish finish, lots of rollers. The two main climbs, the Gonzagraigaina, 2.7 k's at 6.2%, crested about 45 k's from the finish. And then the last one, the Urkaregi climb, 5.1 k's at 4.7%, but... Yeah, it's a day for the sprinters because when you look at the La Flamme Rouge profiles, the climbs don't have any black sections on them. So that's how you figure out what's a sprinter stage in the Basque Country. Pretty outrageous parkour. Uh, but a break also would have a chance. Um, but before we get to that, Benji ben, will go through that in a second. I want to mention our show partner, Lacole. They produce performance cycling apparel, in our opinion, the best on the market. I've just got some new stuff going into winter here on the Gold Coast. I guess it's autumn. Benji's going into summer, apparently. And, yeah, if you want to check it out, they support the show. You can see their link in the description below. But the break, Benji, you had a keen eye on it, maybe with the financial interest. I don't know. We don't talk about that stuff here. But what happened with the break today? Yes, the breakaway was consisting of riders that we did kind of expect to go in the breakaway on this stage because – have to keep in mind that the stage is on paper sprinter able, but it's also breakaway able, like you mentioned. It's got those two climbs that make it a semi-transitioning stage in a Grand Tour, because on these kind of days in a Grand Tour, the peloton would probably rest. The the uh, sprinting teams would think, is this worth it or is this not worth it to go for it? And depending on the uh, steepness of the climbs, they then decide whether they do that chasing or not. But Yes, that group existed out of Edith Kelling, my pick from yesterday on the podcast for today's stage. I was hoping a lot when I saw the name pop up on the uh, on the screen. He uh, has done quite a few things already this season. He was fifth in uh, the race that on seven on won the Industria Nartiganato. And throughout the season, I think, has been showing himself quite a few times in the breakaway now. So consistently up there. Julien Bernard, he's a bit of a rider that Many people will see as rider that is always in the breakaway, but almost never comes out on top. And he does often fight for the KOM jersey in, uh, in the options that he does get. And I think I remember him mostly because I, I think I watched a UAE tour race or something a few years ago where Tanel Kangat ended up winning a stage. I think it was up Jupel Hafid, but I'm not sure about it. I think Julien Bernard was like second or third on the stage, or at least was playing an important role in that stage. If someone can point me towards that stage and tell me what that's about, yeah, go ahead. And next to them, they've got two riders of the Koenig Quickstep in the breakaway, and not the worst ones at all. Honore, who you have been uh, picturing as a breakaway uh, 
rider that can win breakaway stage, but also as a rider that can do hilly finishes after uh, yeah, his recent earlier in the week. Copia Bartali. Yes, not exactly. Today. And uh, not today, unfortunately. But uh, we'll go into that later on. Cherny, also in the team there. I, so far this season, I'm not sure what I would expect from Cherny in a team like the Koenig Quickstep, whether he would be playing a role in some semi-classics in Belgium or whether he would perform into a, a Grand Tour domestique or something for someone. And yeah, I think that today we saw how Cherny can be played out for this team. And last year he already did a nice breakaway ride at the Giro, I think, where he won a stage towards the end. Yeah, eventually the protest the stage, that, uh, Yes, it was that. He stage. won the protest stage. And I think <laughs> he rode. <laughs> he rode away from Campanart. <laughs> yes, I think uh, the only reason that he has a contract at the Koenig right now is probably because of that Giro yeah. stage, because that obviously gives him something. So I'm happy that they likely now are also happy that they get him because but that's kind of a spoiler so let's not talk about it yet and the last two people in that breakaway was Amador first so Ineos for the first time next to Carapaz in the offensive in this race I feel like we've uh, not mentioned them too much despite them having an initial one of the three favorites for this race and today they're in the breakaway at Amador so they were trying something and the final one was not in the initial breakaway called up to the breakaway later on after chasing for quite a while Andreas Licknesund, he's a bit of a combo between a time trialist and a climber. And I will already spoil that the climbing part was not great today, but it was also because he was chasing half the stage to get yeah. back to that front group at the start. But they didn't have a huge gap, actually, because teams no. behind were starting to control the race. And it's kind of logical, isn't it? Because there's not really the top sprinters here so that offers opportunities for sprinters from the no, definitely not even aren't. second line but perhaps third line to take an opportunity here riders like Jona Brasturi for Caja Rural, who I truly support in cycling because Caja Rural is the yeah is awesome they've always got a beautiful color of jersey so that's why I support Caja yeah. Rural. <laughs> and uh, who uh, are the other sprinters Court Smith Court Impey the quick men Roglic even I had a pretty Big bet on Roglic top three for today's stage because of his sprint in a similar finish in stage 16, I think, of the Welter last year when he came second behind court with a fast finish. He's quick on these sort of finishes. Um, so, yeah, they were the candidates from the bunch. The problem is they got no – there's no big sprint trains here. No one to chase it down. They had the gap at like 90 seconds, two minutes at 50Ks to go. They were keeping it close, and you'd think, oh, two-minute gap at 50Ks to go, breakaway's done. But they were already chasing really hard at that point. They were already worried about this breakaway because it's got an engine, TT engine. Cherny's a good TT rider. He's got multiple, I think, top 10s or maybe at least one top 10 in a Grand Tour TT. He's there with a teammate. He's sacrificing himself 100% for Honoré, and that makes a big difference because he's not – soft pedaling or anything like that. So they're worried about that. They're worried about shelling, etc. They got the gap of two minutes. First climb, first of the major two climbs, the crest was 45Ks to go. They eat in a little bit. They, so they got it at like 120, 130. They get to the second to last, oh, sorry, the last climb, last major climb, which crests with 29 kilometers to go, the Urkaregi. Nothing too threatening. Cherny and Honore straight up drop everybody else in the breakaway they ride away from them perfect <laughs> gradient 
it seems, for Cherny. He just got on the front, started drilling it. Bernard was the only one able to sort of stay there. Lechnerson had been dropping before. Back in the bunch, bike exchange, no criticism from me. They obviously should be riding full for Dion Smith. Big chance, you'd think, for today's finish. Um, and EF pacing, full. Israel startup nation for Impy. I thought, I said it on Twitter, go and check my receipts. What I say on Twitter, Benji? Put Nealands in the break as a hedge. And they didn't. And anyway, Choney and co right away. It's at 55 seconds. They got eh, semi-technical, but not like crazy technical descent. Adam Baru and Freyle attack out of the bunch, Benji, on the descent. Do you think that did more harm than good? And do you think, wouldn't Aaron Baru, multiple top tens in MSR, be a candidate from a bunch sprint? Wouldn't they just want to bring it back normally? Yeah, I agree. But I also think that knowing the team that they have here, they're likely going to put a lot of riders of theirs in the breakaway tomorrow or attempt to do so at winning that uh, mountain stage tomorrow. So... I'm not sure they wanted to play out too many riders here, but then again, they did, really, because Fraila and Aramburu were put in that attack on that hill. The thing here is that I think that if it comes down to a sprint, it would have actually probably had Aramburu win the top five. I can't tell you if he's going to beat the likes of an Abedasturi in a sprint because I value Abedasturi higher. They were on the same team multiple years ago, and Abedasturi was always the better sprinter while Aramburu was the better hill rider with a bit of a sprint or kick when it comes down to it. So uh, I think that it probably was a decent move. The breakaway had too much of an engine because you've got Cherny, who is that champ trial as you were speaking about. You've got Honore, who has a history of also riding as a ruler at the front of the peloton or controlling the peloton. And Almeida was in the Giro last year, always at the front doing work. And we know that he can keep that up for a while. And those two together with Bernard kind of hanging on and hoping that he'll survive. I think that if you're on Budu and Frala, you're going to have a hard time closing a gap of a minute there. So I don't think yeah. it would work out eventually. So they might have had a better option to uh, keep on Budu in the peloton and perhaps not spend that energy today. But I guess we also can't blame them for trying, really, because that chase yeah. in the peloton didn't seem like it was going anywhere, personally. I think that the riders that were pacing all day were already looking kind of tired and they were keeping up the same people at the front. Then if you do that, then it's not going to go too much towards the end, I think. Yeah, I mean, we had Godemai making... He was made to pace on stage two or three, Benji. <laughs> so he's probably tired yeah. for bike exchange. Chavez had him on the front and then he had to get on the front <laughs> again today. And, yeah, they don't have the trains, the teams to roll four riders and bring this sort of break back. So a minute is a lot with 14Ks left, failed bridge by the two Astana riders, although they've had a good fast country so far, Astana. The gap, they get caught back by the uh, the peloton. I think they should have sat up earlier, to be frank, and helped out. Yep. Uh, EF didn't pace until the last five kilometres. EF had paced a lot and then didn't offer any assistance after the last climb. Pretty curious to me, given they had caught, was the favourite for the stage, actually, before the stage started. But it was a Cherny-Honoré show. Bernard was actually helping them a fair bit. They kept the gap, and it was a minute 10 at... Um, 10Ks to go. UAE, we saw, quote, you know, 
pacing after the last climb, but we, it was only brief. They might not, must not have had a third moto, Benji, because when Astana attacked, we didn't see the peloton for ages, didn't get a time gap. Yeah. I saw UAE on the front. I was like, brakes winning. <laughs> UAE, they <laughs> pretty much they, they refused to ride, um, which I don't really understand because I thought if you're wearing the leader's jersey, even if you're not the favourite for GC, um, your DS forces you to ride above threshold and blow yourself up. So that's really curious that you age. Let me kick in there for a second. Let me kick in there for a second. I know you're being sarcastic, but a lot of people won't get it because it was too serious of a phase this time around. So I'm going to kick and say, he was being sarcastic, people. Don't take that seriously. (laughs) People know. Uh, I think that I agree. Um, Obviously, if you are is at the front, the phase is not going to go down. Go. Czerny, Bernard, Honore, five Ks left. Honore attacks him. Bernard just started sitting on and Quickstep were like, well, you'll, you want some of that. You want some of this. And they gave him a left hook with Honore, attacked on a little rise. He couldn't respond. Czerny looked at him, gave him a right hook, counted and bridged across. And now we had a two up to Koenig Quickstep train on the last climb. Now we had it again, Bernard, the poor bloke in no man's land and they had like a 45 second gap on the peloton with three k's to go ef had started pacing with five k's left kind of curious to me israel were had blown up their man mp no shot for the stage win and then i was like who's gonna win uh cherny's got a grand tour stage win and he's a bit older honor i don't think had a world tour stage win so they queer koski and carapaz style and just as awkward just as weirdly awkward um started celebrating before the line and then Honoré gets out of this, uh, takes his hands off the handlebars to post up. Cherny does the same. If you look at the overhead, it, Cherny's front wheel goes next to Honoré's wheel, and then Honoré gets gets out of the post up. And it's like what the hell? <laughs> and he pedals a little bit more, <laughs> so he actually crosses the line first. He was obviously the man they were riding for originally today. They stuck with that. The younger guy, big win for him. He got a win at uh, Copia Bartoli the other week, I think. And uh, Cherny second, but really a great team performance from Quickstep. Clinical textbook stuff in the break and just dominant from them. And people in the break weren't slouches. Bernard, Schelling, Amador, Legnesund, and they destroyed them. And the peloton. They destroyed everyone else in the peloton and ran them ragged all day. So a great win for them. I have a question. Uh, Yes. So we know that Bernard was in that group with those two other Dukuning quick step riders. He's basically Nothing got no chance done. of winning that stage from that point. But let's say <laughs> that we replace Julian Bernard with Ian Stannard. Would he have won? Yeah, obviously. Obviously he'd won. Even Ian Stannard <laughs> with like arthritis problems in his knees on 10th April 2021. If you put him in that situation, just psychologically, there'd be PTSD in the DS uh, vehicle for quick step <laughs> and <laughs> Stenard would have won. I don't know, nothing Bernard could have done. Honestly, if I was Bernard, the only chance he was winning is if he'd sat on earlier, allowed Astana to ca- uh, allowed Astana to catch, but that didn't end up happening. And then maybe attack them, and then Freyland. We're talking. He's got no chance. Cherny and Honore, yeah, way too strong. Honore twenty four. Expect big things from that lad in the future. Seems like a nice guy, too. The sprint for third, well, there was no bonus seconds. Bernard took the bonus seconds. And now I want to get into the GC, Benji. Let's, let's talk about tomorrow first. I'll do the stage overview um, just so we can know what we're talking about. And 
yeah, then we can discuss what we expect to happen from Ondoroa to Arase Aiba, 112 kilometer stage, short one, I think 34, 3200 meters climbing. We have a lot of categorized climbs. We've got the Azurki 5.4 Ks at 7.1%, another one 10 Ks at 5.6%, the Krabalin 5 Ks at 9.5%, then the Trabakua 3.3 Ks at 7%, and then the final climb to Arate is 4.6 Ks at 8.7%. But I'd encourage you, either if you're watching on the YouTube video or in your own time, to go and look at the actual profiles, the detailed. I've got them at 0.5 increments. Um, those are all misleading gradients for these climbs pretty much it's particularly Krabalin has one of the kilometers the middle kilometer is 14 percent and Trabaku has got <laughs> a 500 meter section at 10 percent and the final climb has I think a really steep section at the start from memory like 14 percent uh, maybe not so steep but it's steep at the start and it's like flatter just before and at the end it's the descent finish that Roglic won so first of all, Benji, your the UAEDS, you say to the lads in the bus, hey, super hard today. We had to run the front all day, very stressful. Um, what's the plan for tomorrow? They let the break go, 100%? I think it fully depends on who attacks, obviously. At the start of the stage, they will do a, on paper what other teams would do in that situation, which is move to the front of the peloton and then see who attacks, have a bit of a, a list in mind or a team or a specific amount of people that are not allowed to go. And if somebody of that list or a dangerous person when it comes to GC is in that attack, then consider starting to pace. But obviously they're not going to start pacing with McNulty or Pogacar, so it's not exactly going to do much to them as a team. Like The entire idea that controlling the stage would hurt them as a team doesn't think about the fact that so far when it comes to UAE, the majority that we've seen is McNulty and Pogacar in this race. Outside of those two, we've sometimes seen a Hirschi, sometimes seen another teammate, but it's not like, for me, they're going to move the needle between Pogacar and McNulty winning the race or not, if the team is around there or not. Because I think that duo alone is is strong as, as crazy. So at the start of the stage... Check who's in the breakaway or not. Don't allow, for example, too many satellite riders from the teams that are competing with you, which is mainly Jumbo. When it comes to Ineos, I would also or worry, Amador. just in case. Yeah. yeah, but Amador didn't look too fantastic today, but like in total, I would think about, let's say that Gegenhard goes in the breakaway because he hasn't been there when it comes to GC, hasn't shown too much so far. Yeah. What if Ineos starts using that? Carapaz and so forth throughout the stage. And then eventually Yates goes on an attack and everybody else, McNulty, Vingegaard, we've got um, Roglic, obviously, and Pogacar. Those four will look at each other the whole time. So those two teams cannot ignore the fact that the other team still exists because they can get countered still. That GC, yep. it's not lost for anybody in the top 10. Well, it'll bow 36. The top 10, perhaps. I should yep. read it out. Yes, you should. McNulty, 23 seconds ahead of Roglic. Jonas Wingergold, 28 seconds behind McNulty. Bilbao on 36 seconds. Pogacar on 43 seconds. Adam Yates on a minute and two. A minute and two for Yates. That's a lot. 
I think someone like Buchmann, Valverde, Zagiri, Landa are more interested as well mm-hmm. as Chavez in the stage win and maybe seeing if they can move up some places, you know, fifth or so. I want to make – I've got a few comments, Benji. Um, not a rant. Yeah. I'm, I'm relaxed. I just want to make a few comments. First of all, people may be disagreeing with our analysis of Jumbo Visma on stage four, which I'm not going to try and relitigate completely. I just want to ask – one question, and if we receive rational answers to it, I will apologise to Jumbo Visma, Primoz Roglic, and cycling fans, fans globally. Flans. Can someone explain to me Sorry. why it's better that Roglic is 23 seconds behind McNulty than 10 seconds or 8 seconds or 15 seconds? Can someone explain why that's better Where's the line that people draw? If it's a 5,000 IQ, Galaxy Brain, Yumbo Visma strategy on stage four because now Pagach is going to be hamstrung, he can't attack earlier, etc. Okay, accept, accept your points. Then where do you draw the line at an acceptable gap to McNulty? Because for me, 23 seconds, it's a bit like, ooh, I'm not sure that's guaranteed. Whereas if Roglic was seven seconds behind McNulty, I would say don't even worry about it. Wait till the final climb. Roglic is going to blow him away just in the last steeper section and he can gap He gap Valverde by five seconds on stage three. So I think with no bonus seconds, 23 seconds, it's not a comfortable gap. He still could possibly do it. He's still the favourite to win GC Roglic tomorrow. I disagree with him being below $2, but... That's just my view. But I think my point is people are also saying, well, there's nothing they could do. Tohulk was tired. Well, if you put Tohulk on the front earlier, the guy was stretching. Look at Chris Warner's video. Stretching. Roglic wasn't pacing. Vingegaard's in the front group. You can't tell me if those three hadn't just paced a little bit earlier, the gap to McNulty wouldn't have been 10 seconds less, 12 seconds less. I think that's... It's pretty reasonable to say that. I'm not saying they would have brought that break back. They wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have to, and they wouldn't have. But 23 seconds just seems unnecessarily large, and that was my main point yesterday. My second point, I said it on Twitter when I woke up today, is McNulty's not a scrub. He's not like, Ar- you know, Avarastari's been given the jersey to what hang you gonna on. Are going to say Aramburu? No, no, Aramburu could win GC still, even... <laughs> 20 minutes back or whatever. No, he's only four minutes back. But McNulty capable of doing 6.9 watts per kilo for 10 minutes. And if your team is not strong enough to defend a 20-second lead on a parkour which should really suit you, why is your team strong enough to then, what, pace halfway through the stage, blow up the race, and then drop them? And then once McNulty's dropped, keep that gap for an hour on difficult terrain? One of those two things seems more difficult to me. And I think the context is important to compare the two in that before stage four, Roglic was the heavy favorite to win the Basque Country. He just needed to defend a 20-second lead on Pagacha on a climb where Pagacha couldn't drop him on stage three on a similar parkour. And now it is slightly more difficult. I'll let you jump in, Benji. I've got a few more thoughts in due course. I think my opinion when it comes to the debacle of yesterday was that the outcome of a stage does not define the quality of a tactic that is used throughout the stage. For example, 
I compare what happened yesterday to, for example, Osgren winning Tour of Flanders. We see the attack of Osgren that eventually drops Alaphilippe together with Turgi and those two Bahrain riders, Haller and Turns, in Tour of Flanders. That is an attack that is reducing the pressure that the Koenig has on the competitors in that group at that point. So that attack was not the plan of the Koenig. Afterwards, they said it wasn't. And when it comes to yesterday, it's the same thing. Despite Osgren making that questionable decision at the moment and probably not having the outcome that they wanted in the initial second, he still won the race. Winning that race does not make that move fantastic. That makes that move still not the best uh, tactical move. But eventually, they were strong enough to win the race. For example, yesterday, they have a situation where also they are making a questionable move. And I think that the majority of people are pretty against the questionable move from what I can see. And the outcome is that they're in a situation that is... Yeah, Bogacar said that I don't know what they were doing. But eventually, um, they are in an outcome that is not necessarily losing the race. And the fact that they are not necessarily losing the race does not mean that the tactical move was fabulous. It means that they're lucky that their situation still ended up in a situation that is not terrible for the team. And that was true with a lot of external factors, including the likes of EF pacing, including the likes of Ineos coming back towards the end and starting the pace, stuff like that, that they could not see coming at all and that they could not have thought, well, the strategy, uh, we're going to have Vingegaard go in the breakaway and then we're going to sit up with Roglic. We're not going to do anything in the break as well. We're going to try and hope that other people take over because otherwise this entire strategy doesn't work. And we're going to hope that people come back afterwards to the group that we're in. Otherwise, we're not going to get to a manageable gap towards McNulty and GC. And I think that's something that quite a number of people didn't see yesterday is that the outcome of a stage does not define the quality of a strategy used in it. You can be too strong. I still think it's a bad outcome. Having a bad move <laughs> still. Yeah, it's, it's not an ideal outcome, but I think we've actually got a situation in which it could work out. And that situation yeah. is the one I mentioned we'll at the end of the last podcast. Okay, you can go now. For people also saying maybe Jumbo Visma and Roglic don't care about one-week World Tour stage races that aren't the Tour de France, I would say, well, why did they have him ride for over an hour after crashing heavily twice, bloodied and bruised out of the GC top 15 in Paris-Nice if they don't care about World Tour stage races? Curious to me that they'd go with that approach but then him closing a gap here or there in the race, that's just a bridge too far. That's just too much work, too much of a burden. Why would you do that? Um, the second comment is people talking about control, people talking about Roglic having issues with last stages in stage races or grand tours. I want to talk about a few of those instances, and they have nothing to do with control. Uh, first of all, uh, Dauphiné 2020, he crashed in stage four and then didn't start stage five. Uh, Tour de France, it was a time trial. So team control, not really relevant. Vuelta, again, he just had terrible legs on the final day, justifiably. He had like the longest, most intense season ever, and he still won. Wasn't really anything to do with control, to be honest. He just didn't have the legs that day. 
And then Paranese, he crashed twice. They put Bennett and Kreisweich ahead of him. He lost touch. They didn't drop them back quick enough. Game over. Again, nothing really to do with control. And a lot of people are looking at this last stage acting like it's Dauphiné Stage 5 profile with 4,500 metres climbing and, you know, <laughs> like the uh, Col de Rom in the first 40Ks. It's hard, but it's not that Dauphiné stage. And that Dauphiné stage had a very unique situation where the race leader did not start and you then have all these mercenaries unleashed like Martinez, Coos, who would have been riding for Roglic, shutting things down. And so it became chaos. And for every one of those chaotic stages, I'll remind you of stages which aren't so chaotic. The Paranis stage eight, Shuckman wasn't going to try shit. He was laughing before the stage when the reporter said, you're going to try something today? He laughed. He said, yeah, my vision was way too strong. They hadn't really tried anything. They started riding after Roglic crashed twice. I don't think they were going to try anything otherwise. End of Tour de France 2019, what was it, the Valteran stage, Nibali won. Nibali's got a poster of it Some uh, Benji's got a poster of it somewhere. Nothing happened, just control. Like, not all these stages blow up completely. Same with the Catalonia stage we just saw the other week. So, yes, well, it's going to tomorrow. Yes, something chaotic could happen if Bahrain victorious pace the whole day. But I don't think it's that big of an expectation to say if you want to win a World Tour stage race, you're going to have to close some gaps yourself and do a bit of work on the final day. And that's not a disaster. That's just something you're going to have to deal with and accept. But Benji, tomorrow, what are you doing if you're UAE? Wait, you... wait, wait, wait. I, I want to what? add as well. I want to add as okay, well. Okay, sorry. I've got the same opinion. And it's, it's applicable to this stage mostly. I, I spoke about it a tiny bit earlier this stage. The fact about control also is all about the teams. And we've seen so far that for both UAE and Yumbo, there's two riders that have been at the last climb in form and actually doing something properly. And yesterday we saw that Tolhook was uh, dropped in the middle of the climb somewhere, eventually came back towards the end. And then you have a situation with Owen, who has not been showing too much this week, for example. Uh, we have Fingston and also Hofstede, who have been doing the pacing at the start of the stage. Do you think UAE is going to be worried if they have to set two riders that are not McNulty and Pogacar at the front to pace and check the breakaway at the start of the stage? No, they won't They won't care at all. It's not going to influence Pogacar and McNulty. Even if Hirschi has to do it, it's not going to influence McNulty or Pogacar. It's not like the stage is going to be differently for Pogacar and McNulty if their team has to control it, per se, because they it's want not a big like break the other riders weren't influencing. Yeah, if a they big, big breakaway is there without too many, too many dangerous riders, then they're going to let it go. And it would be ideal for them. And I don't think that UAE will necessarily make the mistake of caring about the stage that they don't need to win if the breakaway is not dangerous. Jumbo Visma now have to make the difficult decision of whether they pace the break back because it's not five seconds, seven seconds, which Roglic could maybe gap on the road if McNulty has a really good day. If McNulty's there on the final climb, there's no bonus seconds, 23 seconds. I know it's quite difficult and Roglic can on a really good day and McNulty on an average day probably put that in on the road, but 
10 bonus seconds, six bonus seconds make a big difference too. And I don't know if Jumbo Visma are going to be able to pace that all day. So the way I look at tomorrow, break winning because UAE won't close it. They want to let it go, mop up the bonus seconds. I don't think McNulty is getting dropped in the middle of the stage. And even if he does, even if he does get dropped, we've got a long valley in the middle, Benji, where what, you know, Oman's going to pace like Rowan Dennis and Luke Rowe for 25, 30 kilometers and keep people from catching back on. So I don't know, like I just can't see McNulty. Like the selection to drop McNulty in the middle of the stage, Benji, will have to be such a hard pace because this guy's in the top 10 climbers in this race. And we saw on um, the one after the Haiska Bell yesterday that he attacked, he's doing really good numbers. So how are you going to gap him and then maintain that gap given that he's a better descender than Roglic? So do you see any splits in the first half of the stage or first two-thirds? I don't, but I also don't 100% agree that Jumbo will need to do the work, nor UAE, because I think that there's going to be teams that make the mistake of going for the stage win, like Chavez will try and win tomorrow's stage. For sure. We know that from the start. And he could get he's it, not to going honest. to be in that situation. If he's not in the breakaway, he's not in that situation unless they start pacing and they will if nobody of that team is in the breakaway at that point. So All I do right. expect Bike Exchange to start pacing if they're not in the breakaway. Bahrain, um, I would expect yes, but on the other hand, sure they, they could still play with Bilbao. When, uh, yeah, you're right. They probably will. And the likes of an EF Education first will probably be in the breakaway or trying to do so, I think. And if they're not, they're also going to try and pace for Higita and and see if that works out. But I think the strategy I mentioned yesterday is going to play a simple but effective role between UAE and Yumbo. And it could work out this way. It could also just totally not happen like I'm saying right now. But let's say that um, there is a situation where McNulty starts dropping and... Roglic is at the front with Pogacar. If the gap comes closer to 23 seconds and is at that border, then it will be really interesting if Pogacar bites or not at that point. Because if he doesn't, Roglic might be staring to victory that way. And if he does, he would need to drop 20 seconds. He would need to drop Roglic for 20 seconds. And... I think that that decision by Pogacar is something we will likely see tomorrow. And I hope we do because that would be really interesting. Like genuinely, I'd love to see that because I'd love to see what he will do. He's usually a clever rider and he needs to do it a few kilometers from the finish because you've got that descend after the top. You can't drop anyone from that descend. You can only make that move like Roglic did at the Vuelta and try and win the stage or get a bonus seconds or be first of that group at that point. So yeah, what's your take? I think it's a pretty straightforward stage. I think break goes, break likely wins on unless Bahrain and Bike Exchange go really hard chasing it. If the break wins, I don't think McNulty or UAE are going to get dropped in the start of this stage. I know the steep sections, all those climbs have some nasty pinches, but I just can't see what Rob was doing a 60K ITT or with one other rider. And If, if, if McNulty gets dropped on... Uh, the Crabbelin climb, 5Ks at 10%, which crests 50Ks from the finish, UAE should drop Begacha back and work with him and 
just accept that because they'll catch him in the valley if it's just Roglic or whatever. I think they should drop Pogacar back. On the final climb, if the break is winning, no bonus seconds, Roglic has to attack right at the bottom on the steepest section at the bottom if Pogacar has to mark him. Pogacar marks him. If McNulty can't stay there, too bad. It's a Watts Kilo fest anyway. Pogacar has to ride his own race at that point. McNulty has to just limit his losses. Um, maybe I'm saying the opposite of what I said in respect of Hindley and Kelderman last year, but I think that's the way they should play it. I think that it's very interesting, though, because this is one of the first forced situations where Roglic will need to make the move early. And we've said during Paris that his attack there with 3K to go was the earliest we've seen him attack in quite a while. And, and he faded. right now he's going to have to do it. So I'm extremely curious what's going to happen, but I think to drop McNulty, he needs to go pretty early and he can't wait until the last kilometer to do so. So he needs to do it early. And then it's going to be uh, intriguing to see what happens between the two teams. You think that there's an outcome where Vingegaard could end up winning this race? Uh, if they, yes, if they launch him on the middle climb, the Krabbelin climb, and he gets in a split with like Bilbao or Yon Izagire, kind of like on stage four, and then Jumbo Visma just go fuck it and don't chase it, well, which would be the point, right? To get yeah, Jonas in that. If there's no UAE in there, that's a good outcome. So I think that's what yeah, they should because, try and do. Yeah. They should try and force with Jonas and get in with the Basque boys and some other ones. Because behind, you will have likely a group where McNulty and Pogacar. If Hirschi's there, he's going to pace against. He uh, won't be there. Go there. At the top but of the if climb. he's not there, then who no. are you going to let pace? Are you going to use McNulty to pace or Pogacar? And I kind of don't know what I would do if I was at Diaz of UAE in that situation. I think you're it's in a situation both. where you're. I think you're in a situation where UAE is losing a king while Jumbo is. Losing one of their horses. That is the worst chess comparison I've ever done in my life because I don't know anything about chess, but yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> sort of. I mean, Agatha's not afraid of getting his hands dirty. He pulled really hard in stage seven when he got distance in the Tour de France. He doesn't mind pulling on the front, even on the front, even on the flat either. I think, to be honest, they just need to be wary of it. And if they see Jonas attacking, getting into a group, they just need to close it down ASAP at least with one of them, because what they should do, Benji, is just try and replicate stage four and get McNulty in that gap in the break with him, and then that's <laughs> perfect. So I think they should use yeah. McNulty in that fashion. But, yeah, I think Jumbo Visma have to play the Vingegaard card. Otherwise, I know I pronounced it incorrectly, but I've, I've got to go. <laughs> they've got, they've got gotcha. to play that card. Yeah, because what's the point of getting him in the move in stage four if you're not going to use him as a GC threat? You know, otherwise it was completely pointless and you may as well have kept the gap closed. But yeah, we'd be keen to hear what you think down below. We've obviously been thinking about it, mulling it over a lot. Uh, I think McNulty is going to win the Basque Country GC and I put my money where my mouth is. But uh, what do you think, Benji? What's your prediction? I think that I would hope Vinga got to take it just as like the fourth rider that we don't expect to take it in the end. But I think Roglic is going to win tomorrow. I think that it's going to play out the way the I hope that it's going to play out the way I said GC 
Uh, I don't know who's going to win the stage. If it's Breakaway or not, it's likely Breakaway, but it could also not be that. So I don't really care. I just care about GC tomorrow. And for that, I think it's going to be the situation that Pogacar will have to decide if he attacks Roglic while McNulty is, is floating like a dead fish in the water behind. And then I think Roglic will hang on. And I don't think he's going to drop towards the end then. Roglic will win. It's only a bad country. Okay. Could definitely happen. On stage three, I think he put 18 seconds into McNulty. That group of Pogacar and Roglic on that steep 4K 10% climb. I will remind you, though, certain Tade Pogacar was the reason that climb was so hard because he attacked very early. And then those two kind of worked together and kept re-attacking. Might not be. We'll see if Roglic can do the whole climb hard himself. I wouldn't put it past him. And uh, I guess I'm just trying to be contrarian going with McNulty. But we can't wait to watch it. Super exciting finish to the Basque Country. And we'll see you with the recap tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 